masked baby. Lavina knows him well enough from her own parish. He has a reputation for brutality. There is a supercilious smile pasted on his face. Pleased to see a young girl lose her head. Sees it as a triumph, does he? Lavina would love to slap that smile away. She can imagine the ruddy mark it would leave on his cheek, the satisfying smart on her palm. Bonner, she whispers to Francis. Don't turn. If he meets your eye, he may try and greet you. She nods and swallows, and Lavina guides her away, further from the men so she is less likely to have to confront any of them. Not many have come to see a girl that was queen for a matter of days die. Not the hundreds, it is said, that came to jeer at Anne Boleyn, the one whose death started the fashion for decapitating queens. No one will heckle today. Everyone is too horrified about this. Except Bonner and his lot, and even they are not so crass as to overtly assert their pleasure. She thinks of the queen at the palace, imagining how she would paint her. She must be with her closest women. They are likely at prayer. But in Lavina's mind, the queen is alone in the empty expanse of her watching chamber and has just been told that one of her favourite young cousins has been murdered at her bidding. The look on her face is not one of carefully suppressed triumph like Bonner's, nor is it one of fear, though it should be, for after all it is only days since a rebel army sought and failed to depose her and put her sister Elizabeth on the throne. No, her pinched face is blank as a sheet of new vellum, eyes dead detached, suggesting that the killing has only just begun. This is her father's doing, Francis mutters. I cannot help but blame him, Vina. His mindless ambition. She spits the words out as if they taste foul. Lavina glances once more towards that tower window, wondering if the figure there watching is Francis's husband, Jane's father, Henry Gray, who also awaits a traitor's fate. The cart has come to a halt beside a low building some distance from them. Its driver leans down to chat with a man, seeming just to pass the time of day, as if there were not a butchered boy in the back. It is a house of cards, Vina, a house of cards. Francis, don't, she says, putting an arm around her friend's shoulder. You will drive yourself mad. And the queen? Where is her mercy? We are her close kin. Elle est ma première cousine. On était presque élevés ensemble. Lavina grips her more tightly, without speaking. Francis often forgets that she doesn't understand much French. Lavina has never asked her why. Given she is English to the bone, she favours that language in spite of its being quite out of fashion at court. She assumes it has something to do with her Tudor mother, who was a French king's widow. A man approaches, his cape blowing out in the wind, giving him the look of a bat. He stops before the two women with a polite bow, removing his cap, which he holds crumpled in both hands. My lady, he says, with a click of his heels. Sir John Bridges, lieutenant of the tower. There is a sternness about him, He is a guardsman, Lavina supposes. 
but then his formality drops. My heart goes to you, my lady. My wife and I... He falters, his voice quivering slightly. We have become fond of your daughter these last months. She is a remarkable girl. Francis looks like a woman drowning and seems unable to form a response, but takes one of his hands and nods slowly. She is to be brought down now. He drops his voice to little more than a whisper. I can give you a moment with her. She refused to see her husband before he... He means before he died, but has the tact not to say it. She has asked for you. Take me to her, Francis manages to mumble. The utmost discretion is required. We do not want to attract any attention. It is clear he refers to...